Thank you, Devin. So um, Devin agreed to do this with me as kind of question and answer because I feel shy and nervous. It's easier to be up here with a friend. I agree. I wish someone was up here with me every time I gave a sermon. <laughs> Moral support. We are really grateful you're here. We're grateful that you are part of this community. What is intersex? What does that mean? Well, glad you asked. <laughs> so I'm going to read just the definition, which I got from a website that was really helpful to me in the beginning, which is isna.org, the Intersex Society of North America.org. And their definition is that it's a variety of conditions in which a person is born with, or spontaneously develops in my case, a reproductive or sexual anatomy that doesn't seem to fit the typical definitions of female or male. So it's physical. So it's not gender. Gender is who you feel like you are inside. And it's not your orientation, which is who you're attracted to. It's about your body. And as Devin said in his message to the church earlier this week, it's about as common as having red hair. So if you know a redhead, you probably know someone who's intersexed. But we all do our best to hide, so you probably don't know that you know. <laughs> so far, anyway. Um, and there are kind of three really common ways to be intersexed. The first one, the most common probably, is genetic. And there's such a variety of conditions. Like on its website, ISNA, or ISNA.org lists 17 different types. And mine isn't even on the list, my type. So there are just so many. But for example, there's androgen insensitivity syndrome, where you're XY, which is the typical male chromosomes. Um, but there's a mutation on the X chromosome such that your body doesn't respond to the male hormones in your system. So they look like gorgeous women. I've heard some supermodels have AIS, for example. Um, but they don't have internal female reproductive organs. They might have undescended testes. And for example, then there's also Kleinfelters. I had a friend whose ex-wife looked male all his life, and at puberty, he grew breasts. Um, and then there's environmental causes. For example, in the 50s and 60s, they gave women progestin to try to prevent miscarriage, which it didn't prevent miscarriage, but it did create children born with uh, ambiguous genitalia. And then there's hormonal, which is my condition. I have something called polycystic ovary syndrome. So it starts out, it's not terribly well understood, but it, it's related to insulin resistance. And somehow that affects either the brain or the ovaries and causes um, extra testosterone or more than a woman would typically have. So that's, that's me at the ages of 5, 15, and then the bottom two pictures are when I was 25. So I don't know if you can see in the picture on the far right how hairy my arms are, much more so than, than now. Um, so when I was 12 years old, my sideburns started lengthening and my beard started coming in, and we were all very confused. And I became very muscular. Um, I did start my menses, but it was erratic and irregular and infrequent. And I eventually was able to grow a full beard. I started shaving every day in high school, and then I would had my hair always all in my face like this, and I would wear turtlenecks, even with the shaving every day so that no one could see what was, what was going on. I felt very ugly because of the media in this culture. Whenever the media has a hairy woman in a movie or reference in a book, they're always repulsive. And even Veggie Tales, you know, my Aunt Ruth had a beard and it was weird, you know? <laughs> Um, and the only, because this was pre-internet, the only 
um, place I could find any kind of, uh, maybe I have a home here is with the bearded lady in the circus, and I found you a famous bearded circus lady there. So I would look those up and look up the bearded lady in the library and try to figure out what was going on with me. And yes. how did being intersex affect your spirituality? So throughout, I think all of human history, so much of our societal Gen our, so much of our societal roles have been really deeply based in our sex and our gender. And Christians have been no exception. And what we did was we took it another step further and said, your sex and your gender defines whether or not you can be holy or how you can be holy, how you can be pleasing to God. So Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, or, you know, all those things about uh, Christian church was all about men have to be providers and stoic and the head whatever that means and it was very much and and so I wasn't you know I was I was socialized female but then I was starting to look like a man and I well then what is how am I how can I be pleasing to God what does it mean what does it mean for me to be holy when I don't what, where's my path I was raised evangelical kind of bordering fundamentalist so I was confused and dismayed I wrote a poem, Irony. I was the first girl after six boys born to my grandmother's sons. My grandma had five sons. My exuberant father scattered cigars and wore a pink bow tie. That was his gender reveal. <laughs> would their joy have been less if they had known that I would dry up and grow a beard? I weep for my name, which means womanly. And that's what my parents told me my name meant when I was growing up. That's a beautiful, powerful poem. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You experienced uh, feelings of uh, exclusion, not only from socially, friends at school, and, but spiritually with church and God yeah. because of those binary gender roles that we, gosh, we so use and abuse the Bible to <laughs> reinforce our understandings of yeah. Sex and gender. It's very true. I felt um, that I had no place to stand. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you resolve your intersexuality with the Bible and Jesus? So a lot of people, when they realize that they're gay or realize that they don't fit, walk completely away from the church, which I did for a while, too. But the Bible had been very precious to me growing up, and I wanted to have it back. And lots of lots of decades, I'm going to encapsulate into one sentence here, of thought and prayer, was I realized that the Bible has been consistently and horribly misinterpreted for the purposes of power, and that I could have the Bible back if I could look at it through a different lens, which is where I'm going to, what I'm, what I'm going to talk about now. So let's go to the beginning. In Genesis 1.27, God says God made both male and female in God's image. And also, the Bible is very clear in other places that God doesn't have a body. So being male and female in the image of God really had nothing to do with what you looked like physically. And God is fully both male and female. And that was really important to me to realize God encompasses all of it. I can be in the image of God no matter where I'm standing in terms of sex and gender. And then when people 
look at, some people say, oh, well, God made male and female, and that's just the two. But the thing is that we all use binary. I have studied some things linguistically, and binary is just a convenient shorthand. It doesn't exclude the continuum. It doesn't exclude the margins. So day and night doesn't mean you don't also get to have twilight and dawn and the occasional eclipse, you know? High and low has everything in between. And so male and female, too, there's everything. I now think of, like, the manliest man and the girliest girl as outliers. Sorry. <laughs> that is so true. So much of our understanding of the world is we use such binary language. And that is so limiting. We see such a small part of reality. There's so much more. Um, so let's start with, again, Psalm 139. You created my inward parts. You knitted me in my mother's womb. You made me in an amazing, awesome, and wonderful way. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was woven there, your eyes saw my embryo. However you came out, God knew about it and thinks it's awesome. I just want to say that. Amen. I know. <laughs> Preach. And maybe it caused you trouble in the world, but God thinks you're beautiful. Um, and then we jump ahead to Jesus, and this part, this part was pretty exciting to me. So a eunuch is a male with no testes. That's the simplest definition. And if that happens before puberty, there are no secondary male sex characteristics either. And so Jesus, in Matthew 19, says there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by people, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, which I see as trans, frankly. Um, and so when I read this, I thought, oh, he sees me. <laughs> I was born that way, you know? He lists so many options of ambiguity here beyond just the male and female. I so love that story of Jesus. Jesus recognizes that it is not black and white. He recognizes the complexity and he names it for people. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, I love that part. I would have loved to hang out with Jesus. That would have been so great. <laughs> so God counts the hairs on your head, which for me is also a happy irony because he knows all about the beard and how many there are. <laughs> I still have to shave every day. Um, but he also sees the big picture. And so I kind of want to... So imagine you're an ant living here. So if you're living in the blue section, you think the world is blue. And if you're living in the yellow section, you are going to die on the hill if the world is yellow. And if you live in a tree, no, the world is trees, you know, lake. But God sees all of it. And so I went through everything like, okay, it's, I'm somewhere on the spectrum, and that's okay, and... And that's good. And then I got to the point where I, I didn't even care anymore where I was. It didn't matter to me because I felt like, after all my study, it really doesn't matter to God either. And that's what I'm talking about. The big that's what I'm talking about. The big picture here. Um, so 1 Samuel 16:7b. God does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He just doesn't care what your body looks like. It's about your heart, right? Paul's letter to the Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then, moving past that, where it doesn't, he doesn't care about your appearance, well, what does God care about? Micah 6.8, the Lord has told you, O human, what is good and what God wants from you. Do what is right to other people, justice, love being kind to others, and walk humbly with your God. Hmm. 
Doesn't care about sex and gender or who you're having sex with. <laughs> that verse could essentially be the mission statement of mission gathering. It, it's all about, that's it. Well, it's about love. Yeah. And humility. Exactly. <laughs> Christians aren't good at the humility part. We tend to be so convinced we know the right way to see things, the right way to see God. Right, except I'm right in this whole thing I'm saying today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then Jesus, too, he reiterates this, Matthew 22, 36 to 40. And some people were trying to trick, trip him up, and they said, well, which command in the law is the most important? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He's quoting their scripture to them. This is the first and most important command, and the second command is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself, as you love yourself. Also quoting their scriptures to them. All the law and the writings of the prophets are based or hang on these two commands. And so we've, we've all made so many rules in our cultures and our times and our places. And God is saying, you know, if it's not based in love, it's wrong. If it's based in love, it's right. And so, you know, when I said God doesn't care who you're having sex with, God doesn't care. But is, unless there is there respect, is there consent, is there love? That's what matters. That's what makes sex holy. Not with the shape of your body. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing about your body. It's about love. Okay. Go ahead. You've experienced so much, um, so many feelings of exclusion. Uh, I can't imagine that level of uh, trauma that caused you throughout your life. And there are so many in, um, in this room around you who experienced exclusion because of your gender identity, your sexual identity, the color of your skin, belief systems. And those of us who have more uh, heteronormative identities, we really have uh, very little room to talk when it comes to these conversations, because we have not experienced the same level of exclusion. So you do wise to listen and learn. Uh, but the question is, the big question, is spiritual healing possible? And how did you navigate through some of that feelings of trauma or shame and exclusion? So yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> well, that's comforting. <laughs> Um, and then I, I found this quote recently, which I really love. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And so I'm going to get to my personal story at the very end. But I kind of wanted to make the point that, you know, I feel like, so we're, we're in a world that's broken. You all have brokenness, every single one of you. And I feel like God is up there with each person looking for that broken spot and being like, aha, I'm going to shine my flashlight right there. Because God loves you so much. And your broken spot is the spot where light can, can especially shine in. And for me, earlier in my life, being intersexed was that broken place where I really needed a big light to shine in. And God says in the book of Revelation, let anyone who is thirsty come. Whoever wishes may drink freely of the water of life. I love that verse. We're all thirsty. We're all broken. We're all thirsty. And then, and God says this in Jeremiah, 
this is what the Lord says. The people who survived the sword, so think of whatever's the sword in your life, found grace in the wilderness. Think of what's the wilderness in your life. And God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you out with kindness. I will build you again, and you will be rebuilt. You will take up your tambourines again and go out to the dances of the revelers or the partiers. So there's, there's love and there's healing possible for everyone. You, you're going to dance again. And so for me, this was my happily ever after. <laughs> um, so, like I said, all I knew about was the bearded lady in, in the library. And then in the mid-90s, the internet became widely available beyond just the military and academia, and a lot of people who were intersexed found each other, which was so great. We were able to compare notes and be supportive and find out that we weren't alone. So many separate conditions, each kind of rare, but, but as a cluster together, we were able to, to bond with one another. And then in my late 20s, I brought a spreadsheet of my symptoms to my primary care physician, and he read through them and said, you have polycystic ovary syndrome, <laughs> and sent me to an endocrinologist who then treated me for the insulin resistance. My testosterone levels dropped to within normal range for females, and I was able to conceive and carry to term two children, which made me very happy. <laughs> um, and then I've had about my beard lasered off like 20 times. And then I um, eventually put an ad on Craigslist for a, for a boyfriend. <laughs> the original dating app. The original that. dating yeah. app. And, um, and, and right away I said, you know, I'm hairy and some people find that repulsive. And he's like, I don't care. So, um, so he, he is here and, and, and I feel extremely blessed. This was our wedding day. Um, but I want to say too, that my happily ever after could have looked very different. I could have said, you know, I really like looking gender fluid. I could have decided to grow a beard and, you know, do what, no shave November or get one of those funny curly mustaches, you know, could have been really fun. <laughs> I could have decided I liked being muscular. I could have decided I didn't want to have kids. I could have completely embraced that secure in the love of God that I already found, and that could have been my happily ever after, too. I wanted to be girly. Um, that's something that, would, that was my desire that I felt like inside, and my husband was so encouraging to me. He took me to get my ears pierced, and he said, because I always thought if I tried to look girly, people would feel embarrassed for me, and he's like, no, 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 you can pull it off. Go ahead and try. And <laughs> so it was so, it was very healing. Um, and so whatever your, you know, whatever your brokenness is, and if you're on the spectrum in terms of your gender, your sexuality, your physical body, God thinks it's beautiful, God loves you. It doesn't really matter, there's a bigger picture, but healing in that specific thing is possible. Um, there's books you can read, there's therapists you can go to. You, you should be aware that anybody in your life who does not fit the norm in terms of gender, sex, orientation, all those things, especially if they have um, come up in, in a Christian setting, there's going to be some deep psychic wounding because it's, it's painful enough and then you add like the weight of, of people's condemnation in the spiritual realm on top of it. So those people do need healing, but I, I would also say that anybody who's been, anybody 
No, nobody can perfectly fit any society's definition of what it means to be male or female. I think a lot of us are probably wounded in that way. But I do want you to know there's, there's healing for that as well. For your, for, you know, there's sexual healing too. And that's, we don't really talk about sex in church because why would you, it's TMI and uh, <laughs> there are usually children present. <laughs> but um, but that, is, that is a place you can have spiritual healing too, is in that. All right. That's I'm done. Good point. <laughs> Christians forget that the whole, there's a whole erotic book of the Bible. We give our Bibles to kids. Just say this, read it. This is God's word. We don't realize a lot of it's rated R, <laughs> not very appropriate. Yeah. Sex should be talked about more in church. It is a deep <laughs> part of our our lives, our reality, our spirituality. Thank you for naming that. Sure. Thank Thank you so much for sharing your story. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity because um, I want people to know that they can be healed and that um, that you can um, have the Bible as a book of joy again. <laughs>